the title track. You're listening to the City World Radio Network. High-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world. www.cityworldradio.com Good evening, and welcome to Morph Mom Moments. Uh, it's going to be a great Thursday night for those of you tuning in. Those of you new to the show, thank you for coming. Those of you joining us again, welcome back. We've got a great night tonight uh, with my amazing guest, Sandra Richards. Um, Sandra Richards is the Executive Director, Head of Diverse and Multicultural Marketing and Wealth Management at Morgan Stanley, and most recently, author of Rice and Rocks, an amazing, amazing children's book, illustrated book, and wait till you hear the story that's behind the story. Um, and I'm going to get to that in one minute, and I promise not to bore you all for too long. A very quick intro of Morph Mom for those of you joining in who are thinking, what is a Morph Mom? <laughs> what does that even mean? Um, but very briefly, I'm Kathleen, and welcome again. Uh, I started Morph Mom about four years ago. I used to be a an assistant prosecutor many, many, many decades ago. Um, I stopped when I had my kids thinking I'd go back, tried to go back. They didn't want me back. <laughs> so, so the story goes, what do you do next? Um, no idea what to do next. Literally no idea, no confidence, no contacts. And I'm sure those of you out there nodding your head who have gone through this and it's just, it's not a great place to be. Um, so I decided rather than reinvent the wheel, I would go out and interview those who had done it, whatever it is, that could help someone to get there as well. So four years ago, it began as a website and a, with a video camera. And those of you have heard this, but still with a tripod, I cannot get to work. Still, the camera falls over every single time I set the thing up. Um, started traveling around the country, interviewing women. We have over 600, well over 600 interviews from all over the country with 
the most diverse stories that you can imagine and just very kind women willing to share how they got there, how they got to where they are, whether it was something they intended to do or not. Steps that they took that worked, steps that they took that did not work and um, are willing to help others sort of in the same place that they once were. Again, it started as a website. It's morphmom.com, M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com. And if any of you out there have a story you want to share or you'd like to be up on Morph Mom, you can contact me directly through the site. And for those of you who have listened recently, I did promise that the two pages would be fixed on the website. They're not yet, but they will be. I promise very soon the website will be outstanding. It is outstanding now, but it will be much more informative. Um, We're going to include... Uh, dates of where all the events are, or Marf Mom events are, and links to things. So it'll be much more easy to navigate um, things beyond the website. And hopefully in the next week, again, that will be up. But getting back to it, so the first year was the website and the interviews from around the country. And there's also within Morph Mom a community that you can connect online and connect with other Morph Moms directly and privately all through the site itself. The second year, we started writing for Huffington Post, which is really, really fun. And for those of you who listened a few weeks back, it was an absolute honor that Ariane Huffington came on the show, and we will now be including our podcasts in the articles as well. So you'll get to hear the radio show again and again as many times as you want to. Um, and then the following year, I started to travel around the country and not just do the interviews, but we hold cocktail parties because sometimes people need a little bit more. They need more than just the website. They need to actually physically connect with others to make some actual human connection. So we host cocktail parties and speaker series around the country. And we now have classes for those who have an idea and we call it fish tank, um, who just need maybe a little bit of help with investing or direction. And then we have classes for those who have no idea where to begin. And there's no shame because that's where most of us have been. And we sit around and for, and ask each other what each other actually want to do and what for the first time in a long time, maybe someone asks you what you would like to be doing and what excites you. Cause it's a long, it's been a long time since many of us have been asked that question. Um, and anyway, so when the site is redone, you'll be able to see when we're coming to a city near you with the classes and the cocktail parties and for interviews as well. And then this year we now have the radio show, which is so exciting and so much fun. And for those of you out there who just need to hear it again after tonight, because Sandra is so amazing, you're going to want to hear it again. We have an iTunes podcast, Morph Mom Moments, and it will also be embedded in the Huffington Post article that is going to be written very soon and up about Sandra also. Um, and one last thing is we've, we've just started a new initiative called Morph Mom Goes To. So many of the events are Morph Mom events, but there are times when people say, well, I'd like to be involved in a breast cancer walk, or I'd like to participate in something that somebody else is doing, but I don't want to go alone. So we've started Morph Mom Goes To. So we've got this army of women around the country. We will find a group to go with you. And as you know, we'll all go as a group of Morph Moms to whatever it is. So reach out to me again through the website, morphmom.com, if there's something you're interested in, and I'll try and get it going. So without further ado, and for those of you who have tuned me out and just want to hear from Sandra, now we're getting to the star of the show. And as I mentioned earlier, it's an absolute honor and a privilege to be sitting here with Sandra Richards. She's amazing. She's inspiring. She's kind. And she's exactly why I started Morph Mom to speak with someone when you'll hear her journey and what she's accomplished. But more importantly with her, it's the kindness and the consideration when we speak with Sandra that you immediately just want to be her friend right away. <laughs> I hope she feels the same way, but I'm not sure we're going to find out. Um, so again, Sandra Richards, who's executive director, head of diverse and multicultural marketing and wealth management at Morgan Stanley. And most recently, 
author of Rice and Rocks. And one more thing, for those of you who want to call in tonight, it's 212-631-7553. I'm sorry, sometimes I mix up my numbers. So again, 212-631-7553. So without further ado, Sandra, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you here. Um, and as I explained, so you, you sort of hold many different roles right now. Mm-hmm. But tell me about yourself and your journey to how you got here today. Um, so first off, I know that you and I connected um, via one of your original Morph Moms, um, Kara Ross. So shout out to her and Diamonds Unleashed. Um, and so that was our journey and our connection here. But in terms of how I got to um, being an author... Um, is more so based on a personal experience that I had, and I'll just jump right into yes. the story if you don't mind, is um, my nephew, um, Giovanni, um, who was eight years old, passed away um, nine years ago, and I wanted to, of meningitis, and I wanted to figure out a way to um, keep his memory alive. And so what I always remembered is the stories that he and I would talk about and um, and they were mostly more about like our family tradition because my family's from Jamaica, and um, and they, I just remember them being. He was curious. He was funny. Um, and how old was he? He was eight years old, and um, definitely the, the little boy's boy. Um, but he was fun, and he was he had a he had a very very curious spirit, um, and he, and he saw things very differently. I.e., the title of the book, Rice and Rocks. Um, so you said, uh, tell me a little about before we go into the book, um, how you, what you did prior to what, like what, what, what you did right out of school and how you sort of came to be where you are right now. So I actually studied, um, I went to Seton Hall University and I studied undergrad. It's not a direct path at all to any of any of what I'm doing. Which is better. More exciting. (laughs) So I, I studied undergrad, um, at Seton Hall University and I was a criminal justice major. And then I ended up going to grad school at Seton Hall, um, and I have a master's in judicial administration. And there I met someone um, in one of my graduate classes, like, what are you going to do after you graduate? It's like, I don't know. (laughs) Um, And then he said, why don't you think about going to University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey? Which at the time I was living in Jersey, and it was in Newark. So I ended up working for the New Jersey Medical School as in the grants administration department helping doctors go through their clinical trials and getting their paperwork together, which that was certainly an experience. (laughs) Then I went from there, I went to work for the AIDS Resource Foundation for Children as a director of resource development. Um, That was very, uh, one of the most, probably one of the most emotional jobs I've had because they were um, children and you were helping to raise money for programs for children who were actually infected and affected by HIV, HIV AIDS. Um, and some were orphaned and some of their parents were still alive. Um, so that was a very, uh, I can say a very emotional experience, but a very learning experience. Then I went from there and I went to the Jackie Robinson foundation and I worked there for five years. Um, and I was there, um, as the director of corporate and foundation relations. And that I would say really, really was a fun, um, experience, another learning experience, um, and then I went from there to Morgan Stanley um, in a role that was created as a diversity specialist in their wealth management division. And then um, the firms merged with Smith Barney and as Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, which is our wealth management business. 
and um, went into a business development role focusing on the diverse and multicultural markets. And now I'm in marketing, heading up hard diverse and multicultural markets and recently an expanded role. So that's where I got to. <laughs> that was my short journey. That was a That's long an amazing journey. journey, but how you took, you know, but it's also an example of many stories, how you kind of take different roles and different roads and mm-hmm. you're not exactly sure where you're always going to end up. Right. Absolutely. Now, did you ever think you'd end up as an author? I love to write, but I always um, wrote for myself. I never wrote to share with anyone. I have actually a lot of journals. I hope no one ever finds them. Because <laughs> I always just wrote for myself what was ever on my mind or what happened that day. Or um, I, I just was a writer. I didn't consider myself an author because I was talking to myself. <laughs> but I also liked at some point in time, I would oh, go back and read some of the things I've wrote. Uh, like maybe a year or two years ago to see what kind of place I was and to ensure that I was growing. Um, and so I like to do that self-reflection. And, and you know, if, I, if I'm not growing, then, you know, Sandra, something needs to change, something needs to shift. And so that's what my writing did for me is I, I wrote what was happening that day so I can go back and see, um, did you grow? What were you doing? Do you go back frequently to, or, or how far do you go back? I go pretty far back sometimes. I mean, now I, I don't have the time to go as far back <laughs> as I like. Um, but even just notes that I've written to myself in a notebook or a piece of paper or something that I wrote, like, you know, New Year's Eve, I would sit and write something and I would put it in the Bible and say, this is what I want to do for the year. I'll go at, back before the, ne- the new year comes up and, like, did you do it? And now that's, like, probably the first time I've ever said that publicly that that's <laughs> what I do. I've never told anybody that's actually what I do. I think um, that's amazing, and I think, can I copy it? <laughs> I do that, too. Yeah, and I just, I mean, I just look. I mean, I don't get hard on myself, like, oh, you didn't buy blue socks this right. year. <laughs> right. um, you know, you need to, you know, do that next year. I, I mean, I don't get hard on myself, but I do look and see, it. did did I do it? And what was the detour? And did the detour end up giving me something else? And so that's kind of basically... What a positive way to look at it too, right? Because you always go back and think, oh, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I failed. But what a great way to say, but the detour put me on a different road and something else Mm -hmm. came out of it. And I think sometimes it's hard to focus on something Mm -hmm. positive that you didn't expect to come of it. Mm -hmm. I love that you, I really might copy that. (laughs) It's okay. Um, all right. So now let's go back again. Those of you joining us, I'm sitting here with Sandra Richards, um, who wears many, many hats, many titles, and is just an absolutely phenomenal woman an honor to have and again as Sandra met, uh, mentioned we met through the also amazing and kind and wonderful Kara Ross of Diamonds Unleashed who has who supports everybody every mm-hmm. woman and connects women all of the time I think selflessly never thinking about herself but reached out to me and said you have to meet Sandra because Sandra's new book Rice and Rocks yeah. so it was just such an honor that you said yes <laughs> that you Thank came you. on the show and those of you who want to call in it's 212 631 Seven five five three. Now let's go back to Rice and Rocks. Mm-hmm. And for those of you joining us again, Sandra, tell us about the name of the book and what it means. So again, the book is Rice and Rocks, and so it actually came from my nephew. It was one of the many conversations that we had. And so the, it was one day on Sundays. We typically, again, my parents are from Jamaica, would have rice and peas. And I noticed this one particular day that Giovanni was picking the beans out of the rice. And I'm like, 
Giovanni, what are you doing? I don't like rice and rocks. I'm like, <laughs> rice and rocks? And I said, oh, the beans look like rocks. He was like, it's not funny. Grandma makes me eat this every Sunday. And I said, well, I had to eat it every Sunday, too. We all did. And he was like, well, we need to break that tradition. And so it was, <laughs> it was curious, sarcastic, fun. Um, and I said, well, you know, your little friend Emily next door, she eats rice and rice. And, you know, he was like, no, she don't. Only Jamaicans do. <laughs> and so I went and got her. And this is actually a real true story. And he was shocked that she wanted to eat rice and rocks. And and so, and it was the point of that was he never even tasted beans. It wasn't even like, oh, I, I'm going to taste it. They're disgusting. Or there's, <laughs> I don't want to eat vegetables. I don't want to eat broccoli. They don't taste. He didn't taste them at all. It's just because the beans look like rocks. And I thought, and that's again, when you say when he looked at things very differently, I'm like, who would think these beans look like rocks? But he just saw the world a little differently. And just having the conversation with him to bring him to, to just to get to a sense of what he was thinking, why he was experiencing what he was experiencing. And to come to find out, it gave me a great title for a book. Did he end up eating the rocks? <laughs> he actually did. <laughs> he ended up eating them. Was it after he watched Emily eat them? After he watched Emily, yes. <laughs> so, um, and again, I know we talked about this, but can you tell me about Giovanni and mm-hmm. your relationship with him and what happened and sort of how it led to the book? So, um, he was my uh, my brother's um, son, and um, he our, our relationship was typical. That's I, I call I give myself, and if my nieces, I think I text them the link to listen. One of my friends, Tanya, told me she's listening now, but I like to claim I'm the best aunt ever. Sometimes <laughs> they'll question that, um, and so um, I I just pride because I don't have kids myself, so I pride myself on just being able to be around and be visible for and connect with my nieces and nephews when I can. Um, and so I, Giovanni spent a lot of time with my mom. So I was always around and, you know, we would go to the store, hang out and, you know, do different kinds of things. And so we had a different real, like special relationship, which he had a special relationship, which I've come to learn over the years. And even still recently that he had a special relationship with, not just with his other aunts and uncles, but just people next door and, learning that he helped a little girl ride a bike. I mean, there was a lot of things that I learned about him um, after he passed, and I didn't realize how much of a relationship and how much of an effect he had on other people. And, and imagine you're eight years old, and to have such an impact that, you know, you're going to be missed. And, you know, like, you're thinking that you're eight, like, how much how much of a stamp could you have put on the world? And he he did something. And, again, I think that that's representative of why I wanted to do the book. He was a special kid. That's amazing. And to find that out even years later, I yeah. think, you know, the hidden treasures that you still find out that he helped so many people. Yeah. It's eight years he was able to do exactly. to do that. Yeah. So after he passed away, we, we had discussed this a little bit earlier, you know, like how do you, how do you remember that life? How do you, how do you, you know, how do you capture the memories? How do you memorialize the importance of his life? And mm-hmm. so that's what we were discussing. And tell me about that, like how you, came up with the book eventually and how many years later you ended up writing the book so it took me some time because of course you're going through your grieving process and trying to think but every time I talk to people about him or they would just ask how are your family doing I will always recall a story and it would always be like something and I was always often telling the rice and rock story and I said you know one day I just I should just write a book I should just write this down um and so I I I wrote it and then I said you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna do this as a book 
And um, so, of course, I did things backwards, and I wrote it and then realized when I wanted to make it a picture book, it was actually too long. And <laughs> so, anyway. Um, and so I, it took about um, some time after going through the process, but every time people talked to me and asked me how the family was doing it, that, that story often just kept coming up. That was the thing that I always remembered. I mean, there's other stories that like, I try to help him do his homework and, you know, he would deflect on to something else, and I'm like, Giovanni, focus. <laughs> um, so I remember a lot of things. And, and, again, in his short eight years, I have a lot of stories um, about him and with him. So it took about um, probably three years after he passed that I actually finally sat down and wrote it. And how long, And for those of you aspiring authors, and this mm-hmm. is just essential because who knows this. So when you had the idea to write the children's book, did you, or, or to, to write a book about his life, did you research it or you said you just used to started to write and then how did, like how many pages should it have been and how do you go right. about so that? So I, 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 I did everything kind of backwards. <laughs> so I just wrote the story. I just, because so, it kept, it was like, you know when something is kind of sitting on you and I, and I wrote this um I just, I just sat down and wrote it. And one of the things I, I'm looking for this, um, this quote that I ended up finding, I actually keep it on my personal email by Maya Angelou and says, there's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside of you. And I think that that's what was like, it was just kept weighing on me and weighing on me. So I just wrote it. I didn't have time to research. It was almost like it needed to get out. And so then when I, then I, then I, then I did what I was supposed to do. <laughs> so do the research and find out how many pages and then d- depending on the age that you're writing for, how many words it should be, a thousand words of life. I'm like, well, this is about 3,000 words. <laughs> um, so I'm like, if I want to go in the picture book space, then I need to edit it down and some things are going to have to be lost here. Um, and so, you know, I did actually kind of backwards. I didn't research like how to write a children's book. I just wrote it. I think that's the coolest part of the story. And combined with the quote that you just said, it literally was a story that had to get out. Mm-hmm. I think the details didn't matter mm-hmm. as much. It was that the, you know, the number of words, the, all of that. It was that yeah. the Giovanni story mm-hmm. had to get out, and it's out. Um, so you said that you were, the words, you're well over the words you needed to do, but then, mm-hmm. then you decide you want pictures. How do you go about, like, how do you get an illustrator? How do you decide how the how big the pictures are? Like, is, is that even an issue that comes into play? So, I, I mean, when I did started to do the research, and if you're going to go in it, and I'm – don't want to quote myself as an expert, but I did go through, you know, did my own research. I mean, of course, everybody's going to have to go through their own research to find out what's going to best fit them. But if you're going through um, the traditional um, route, if you're not the author illustrator, from what I read, um, that typically if you're going to try to pitch your manuscript for um, a book deal and you're not the author illustrator that you should not look for an illustrator because if you're accepted, then they'll match you with an, an illustrator. In the fact that I was going to go down that route and I found out how long it would take and depending on somebody wants to take your story or not, um, I said, you know what, I'm going to do this myself because I started reading like, you know, self-publishing is, you know, actually getting up there and people are doing pretty well with it and there's so much information out there that it's not foreign anymore um, and it's long beyond being foreign concept. And so I have a creative publishing deal with Wise Inc. Creative Publishing out of um, Minnesota. Um, And so I was able to find the illustrator that I wanted to work with. And so this 
gave me, and, and she in herself is fascinating. Um, I met her through, again, connecting with women, just love to connect, and met her through one of my colleagues at Morgan Stanley, Wendy Murphy. And she um, happened to call me at a time when something else fell through that I thought was going to happen with the book. And she said, oh, what's going on? I said, I wrote this children's book, and I'm trying to find, you know, this deal and and everything just fell through. And I think I'm going to just go ahead and do this on my own, but I need to find an illustrator. And she's like, oh, one of my friend's daughters just graduated from the Rhode Island School of Design, RISD. And I said, oh. And she says she would, you know, if you want to talk to her, she's never really done, like, a major commercial project, but, you know, the two of you could learn together. And I said, well, look, I'll, I'll take it. Talk to her. We connected, and, and we connected so much that um, it turns out later, I remember distinctly saying to her, we, I signed on, and we, we were going to work together. And she, um, I sent her an email, says, Megan, her name is Megan Sullivan. And I said, Megan, sorry I'm so late with this. I wanted to get these photos of Giovanni to you. But I was traveling to Martha's Vineyard for an event, and also yesterday was my birthday. But wanted to get, so she said, oh, no problem. She was like, yesterday, meaning August 15th, was that your birthday? Because that's my birthday, too. And I was like, no way. And so we started finding out we we had a lot in common. Um, but she was brilliant, and we worked together, and she took the words and just took them to a whole new level with the illustrations. And when it comes to illustrating, because this was so personal to you, mm-hmm. did you give her guidance with this, or you just sort of say, here's this picture, and I'll let you creatively connect and come up with something? Yeah, I gave her pictures. I gave her pictures of not just Giovanni, but I gave her pictures of my other nieces and nephews, um, my mom. Um, my sisters, I mean, I gave her photos so she can get, like, to see what the family looked like. I, I, my two dogs are in the photos. I gave her photos of my dogs. Um, and I didn't mainly say to her, I want him to look this way. I want this to happen. I, I let her, because I'm, I'm very big on people. I'm staying, I'm staying in my lane. I wrote, I'm not going to tell you. you like, that's your expertise. That's what you've done. And I trust that you can do it. And I didn't micromanage that part at all. And it's funny. I mean, I believe in this, but you know, maybe Giovanni had something to do with this too. The same birthday, maybe that deal fell through because you were supposed to meet yeah. her, and I don't know. It seems like yes. this was supposed to happen yeah, between the so. two of you. Maybe <laughs> up there, he's like, "Wait a minute, I want, I want her to do those drawings." Yeah. Um. So now, tell us about the story, which I love the story. So, it is. Um, it opens up with Giovanni playing the trumpet, and he's in his room, and his auntie comes in and says, you know, I want to hang out with my favorite nephew and um, smells at grandma's cooking. So we happen to be at grandma's house. And um, and, he, and then he said, well, you know, auntie, was grandma cooking? I said, oh, you know what? She makes every Sunday, you know, stew chicken and rice and pea. And he was like, oh, no, rice and rocks. And, uh, and of course, again, auntie doesn't know what he's talking about with rice and rocks. So he has a, a bird named Jasper who's pretty sassy. Um, and we said in real life he had a he had actually he had, had a bird had a bird, um, and had to explain to Auntie what rice and rocks meant, and he said, Auntie, we got to stop the tradition. My friends are actually coming over today, and like he's almost embarrassed. And I said, Well, do you know where you're? And I'm saying I because this truly happened. <laughs> like, do you know where your friends are from? And he was like, Oh, well, one is from New Orleans, the other one is from Puerto Rico, and the other one is from. Um, New Orleans. And so Jasper is a magical bird. So if you rub his beak, he actually grows big and then you get, he can take you to places. So we flew to Japan 
um, to learn about rice and rocks because one of his friends is from Japan. We go to Puerto Rico and learn about the reason that they eat rice and rocks. And then we go to New Orleans and find out that rice and rocks is a tradition and a staple there for different reasons, traditions, cultures, celebrations. And in each place, he learned something that actually connected with him as well. Um, like he loved to draw pictures of frogs and there was a, a coqui, which is a frog in Puerto Rico talking about rice and rocks with the national bird. And so there was little things that connected him as well. Like he loved Godzilla and which is in true, true, real story that he loved Godzilla. So when we went to Japan, um, he was like, Oh, this is the home of the mon- the king of the monsters. <laughs> um, and then he was a trumpet player. So you go to New Orleans and you have Louis Armstrong who you learn that Louis Armstrong loved rice and beans so much that he used to sign his letters, rice and bean leave yours. And so everything kind of connected. And so as he th- took that journey, he came back and actually was very proud of his tradition. So when his friends came over, he was happy to serve rice and rice and rocks. That is such a cool story. That, especially that Louis Armstrong part. Yeah. That he would actually sign. That's amazing. So when you were writing the book and you said you sort of, everything had to come out and then you went back and mm-hmm. shortened and fixed what had to be fixed. Um, looking back, is there something that's like a memory or something you put in there that is one of your most special memories with him or, or something that you just had to keep in there? So I, and I, I will say this because I, uh, and, and this is again, a reflection of me being a good auntie and telling um, my nieces are listening with my brother. <laughs> so there's a part in the story where, um, my nieces, um, they, I, I had them as my focus group for the book as I go, went through different edits. And as he was picking the beans out of the rice, one of my nieces said, Auntie Sandra, you should have that when he picks the beans out the rice, he's been secretly giving it to the dogs, and that's why the dogs have gas. <laughs> and I said, that's hilarious. Um, and, of course, they encouraged me to put it in. And I said, well, there's already too much stuff in here. But I thought that was so important because they wanted to have an experience, too, and get their imprint on it because, of course, that was their cousin and wanted to have something. So that part was important to me because they, it was they got so excited about being a part of the process. So some other things got on the cutting room floor so that can stay in there. And plus, as I researched books, I found that the kids love things about farting and gas. Um, so that had to stay in the book. <laughs> What age group did they ask you? Was there a certain age group that this was written for, or were you thinking about that? Or I was. I was actually thinking when Giovanni was eight, so I was thinking about that age range. So the book is from five to nine. So it's it's amazing. So was there something? And we, we discussed this a little bit earlier too. So you have to cut parts, mm-hmm. and there are things I guess on the cutting room floor. Yes. I think everything I do is end up on the cutting room floor, but. Um, <laughs> Is there something that was hard to let go that's on the cutting room floor that you could share with us now that it may not have made it into the book, but we can still hear about it? Um, I think just how sassy the bird um, uh, Jasper is. And there's an exchange between Jasper and Auntie um, that was pretty funny. They, they kind of went back and forth a little bit. Um, and so those are the parts that I was, um, I was I, I hesitated on cutting out because I wanted his personality to come across um but some of it sometimes you will lose the part of the story because you got so caught up in the sassiness and oh that was so funny 
um, that he didn't need to be funny. Although there's still little parts where he's a little funny, but he didn't need to be, he's not the focal part of the story. So those are things that I had to learn that, you know, you need to stay focused on who, what, what is the character, what character was central in the story. And it was more so Giovanni going through this experience himself and not Jasper being funny. It wasn't about him being a comedian. Right. Um, so right. that part I wanted to keep in, but as I went and talked to other people and, edits and professional people went through it they had to go on the cutting room floor i mean it's still there but maybe in the sequel jasper could be a little sassy yeah he could be a little bit sassier yeah (laughs) now speaking of sequels is there a chance that you and jasper and giovanni will visit other countries other places i think other countries and in different fashions i mean there's things that i've been thinking about there's actually um just the other day I was walking my dogs and um, th- this young lady and because my mom would normally walk my dogs and she's um, she has surgery on her legs so she couldn't really walk the dog so I've been walking them but I didn't know how much of they became they like my dog's name is Sky and Honey and they're very popular in the neighborhood um, I didn't know that because I didn't walk them every morning during the week um, and so one young lady says um, to this young little girl that she was walking with, she was like, I think that's Sky and Honey. Um, and I heard her talking to a little girl, and the little girl got so excited. And I'm like, wow. Um, and they were Dominican. And I said, hmm, I'm like, why do they know Sky and Honey? And I said, oh, this is Sky and Honey. And she got so excited, and they were talking. And it was like, how's your mom? And I haven't seen her. And I'm like, this is interesting. And so even just walking your dogs and learning how like you connect with people in your neighborhood. Um, I mean, I think Giovanni and Jasper will end up in that story somehow, but I just think that looking at your neighborhood and how you connect with different people and what elements allowed you to connect, like, you know, dog lovers, you, you connect with so many people just because you love dogs and you're not realizing what the person's skin color looks like, or they're tall, they're short, they live in this neighborhood or that neighborhood you know, you're rich, you're poor, like you're a dog lover. So there's something you have in common. So the thing that I always will probably look at for future books is just more so things around that you can build around commonalities without being like the preacher or the teacher. Right. And, you know, today with, as everyone knows, listening, how crazy everything is every Mm -hmm. day on the news, it's something else. But to hear that, like a positive side of all this, that there Mm -hmm. is a commonality between food, traditions, animals like you can find it Mm -hmm. and it's just so it's just so happy to sit here and listen to you telling this story and about Mm -hmm. how you know everything else doesn't even come into play you don't you don't even ask it's not color race it's it's nothing it's purely this common love for Mm -hmm. something and it's funny i never even thought about the animal part of it but it's true it's just another way that Mm -hmm. you can bond over something but and i kept thinking about the food especially just how fascinating that was that you came up with that with the rice in Japan, I just, it, it's just such, you know, the dinner table, everyone sits around the dinner table and mm-hmm. it's a conversation. It's a kind on mm-hmm. top of it, not just the commonality, but I think the association with that is also you leave everything else behind and you sit right. and you talk and everybody talks and mm-hmm. there's nothing, hopefully nothing negative about it. That's right. what I love too about the idea. Thank you. I loved every, every single <laughs> thing about it. What is, um, what's your favorite part of it? I actually love when the kids come together and they come over and like just to watch how Giovanni went from this high um, embarrassed level and like shock and I, I my friends are coming over please don't serve rice and beans to a part that like he's basically almost dish serving the food and like happy and so there's a there's a, at the end of the book a scene of them 
um, at the table together and just look so happy. The kids just look just like uh, I like I want to be at the dinner table with them and they just look like so much fun and um that was that one illustration to me I think sums up the book um but it's you know the the whole entire journey of it but that one piece do you draw any of this from person I mean other than Giovanni's life any is does any of this come from maybe your childhood or any you know personal experience you had growing up when you were young as well I think because my parents were, um, you know, like I said earlier, from from Jamaica, and they come, came to America in the early '60s, but kept the, you know, the, the traditionals, um, things of the family in, in Jamaica in our home, um, and so I, I think a lot of it did come from the personal thing that I was actually very like when people say to me, "Where are you from?" and I think you asked me earlier, I said, "Oh, I was born and raised in Long Island, but my parents are from Jamaica." Like there's something in me that wants you to know that because it, it is something that I'm actually very proud of, and I, and I think I identify with, and in the fact that um, you, I was brought up in a household of yes, you're in America, but you still have these cultures and culture and tradition that your family brings along from an, another country um, and to be exposed and like you lived in two worlds at the same time and that was fun to me um, just from the music and just being happy and laughing and aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody all around um, that, that was a, a fun time to me and clearly passed down to your nieces and nephews and passed down through right. your family that continues to pass mm-hmm. down as well and when you know, and for uh, Sandra's nieces and everyone out there who's listening to her family, I'm so happy to have Sandra here right now. And for those of you who just joined in, I'm sitting here with Sandra Richards, and uh, was again as we said, was many many titles, but most recently author to Rice and Rocks, and a, just an amazing illustrated children's book that is going to be released August twenty third. And tell us about how you can get the book and all about that. So I'm actually very excited. The book is. Um is on um, Amazon right now. It was just uploaded, I think, last week. So you can go on Amazon and find Rice and Rocks. So just put Sandra L. Richards and it will come up. And also you can go to SandraLRichards.com. This sounds so funny saying that. <laughs> so, so cool, though. It's so cool, SandraLRichards.com. And then you also go just follow me on Twitter and Instagram because I'm always posting and when it's available in other places and other mediums where people purchase their books. And I thought one really amazing part of this as well uh, is that every um, fifth book sold, for every five books that are sold, one copy will be donated to a children's literacy mm-hmm. organization somewhere. Yes. I, I, I've been, even as this, and I, I'm, I just love to read. I'll read anything. I'll read a cereal box. I'll read anything. <laughs> and I just know the importance of reading. And just reading how it takes you to a different place. <clears throat> you learn new things. And so I know that <clears throat> That reading is very important, excuse me. Um, and so there's been programs that I've been following and even supporting just, you know, while I'm at work through our charitable giving campaign is Reach Out and Read. Um, and there's, I've learned about this great program, and I don't know if anybody affiliated with this program is listening, but Barbershop um, Books, where they actually started a program where they bring like a mini library into the barbershop. So as kids are waiting for haircuts, they actually can read books. Um, so looking at organizations like that and how I can actually use that and just donate a copy to these organizations, boys and girls clubs, um, all of those places, I would 
love to hopefully I'll be able to give out and donate <laughs> thousands of copies. So of start books. buying books yeah. immediately. Because then we're gonna get these all donated as yes. well. I mean, how could you not want to write read this book right now? There's no and by the way, if you go on you can see the um the illustration, the front, the cover. Yes. And that alone you're gonna want to ju- actually you're gonna want to ride with Jasper yeah. <laughs> somewhere because yeah. I just think back to like being a little kid, that looking at that cover and seeing this bird that would just take you everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's just Megan did, uh, again, I, I can't say um, enough about Megan. She did an amazing job. And I also had an art director that worked um, alongside Megan, um, Stephanie Bart Horvath. Um, and she did an amazing job just giving us some direction on, because this is what she did for a living. Um, and so she gave us some really, really great direction. The The cover went through a different lot of stages. Like, no, Megan and I were wedded to this. We were like, no, I want to see this. And then when she said, well, here's why, and she definitely was like, okay, let me teach you girls something. <laughs> um, and when she told us, then when we saw what it ended was going to be, of course, we all got on the back of the bird and like, got on the bus <laughs> um, and made it happen. So it, I, I'm very, very happy with it. Oh, it has to, it just has to feel so amazing that you've captured Giovanni's life, mm-hmm. but in such a way that you can share with other kids his age. That's right. the coolest part about this. Learning so much how he affected so many people. And in mm-hmm. turn, it's going to be shared with his age group, which needs to, the perfect age group that needs to learn what he was able to learn at that time. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the coolest part. Was there, was there ever a time when it was a little too hard to write, so you just had to stop for a minute and then get back to it? Or was... Was it just so therapeutic writing it all that it was easier to keep going? Yeah, the latter. It was therapeutic. I think um, just seeing it come alive um, on paper, <clears throat> I think was um, was definitely the part that I, I I didn't realize I needed the most was the the therapy part of it. Is just writing and like again getting it out. Um, and so I think it was more so a therapeutic session for me. Yeah, and and with your family. How did they, and then I I know that your nieces, everybody took part Mm -hmm. in helping to keep stories, add stories. Mm -hmm. How do they feel about it now? Uh, They're excited. Um, Of course, you know, my nieces wanted to have their dedication. And so it was like, when's my, where's my story? I'm like, look, (laughs) hold on a second. Um, But everyone's been very happy. And and, then every part of the journey, I've been sharing it with my mom, my sisters, my brothers, nieces, nephews. Um, <clears throat> to a point they were like, when is this coming out? Because it does take a, a while and a long time. But um, I, I shared along the way, especially when it got to a critical point where you got to like sketches or you saw a layout, you start to see color, um, and then you just see it transform and transform and transform. Um, I wanted to share that with them because I didn't want it to be by myself. And it's, not, and it's not just my story. They all had a relationship with him. So it wasn't just me wanting to capture what was there with me and Giovanni, but it was more so his father, um, again, my his uncle, um, and, his, and his cousins. It's just an amazing tribute. And like I said, it, it must be so therapeutic to go mm-hmm. through it that way and celebrate. It's a celebration mm-hmm. of what he accomplished at that young age. Again, repeating, right. those of you joining in, Giovanni was eight years old right. and had affected so many people at the age of eight. Mm-hmm. It's tremendous. Right. Um, and again, I'm sitting with Sandra Richards, author of Rice and Rocks, mm-hmm. and it's coming out very, very soon. So set your alerts to yes. the day you can get the book in bookstores and online as well. And um, again, we were talking about how the book shows different ways to unite people when in this day and age, and especially, you know, in the past few months when things are so crazy and scary and 
violent and just you see lots of bad stuff on the news lately. Mm. You don't always see the good. Mm. And this is so refreshing that I think I wish this was what we saw every day, the ways to unite people. Mm. And you think of the youth who need the, you know, who need mm. this more than anything right now. Right. And it's so ti- that in and of itself, it's so timely mm-hmm. to show kids like how you can bond in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the food and your, the animals another way. Are there other things that you could see down the road, other ways to do this as well? Um, so I don't want to give away all my oh, That's right. Don't give us our trade <laughs> secrets. Sorry. <laughs> no, but I think even if you look at, um, you know, you look at the World Cup and how yeah. people, when people start watching soccer, and of course it's called something in every different country, it's soccer, it's football, um, but how that unites, and then you have the you know the Olympics coming up, and you just have all of the world coming together. Just looking at that, how everybody's cheering for their country and have such a an affinity for their country at that time, just to cheering on people you do not know at all, um, but to see them run. I mean, you know, of course we all love when we see you know Usain Bolt running and the fastest man alive, as they say. Um, as, not as they say, which he is. <laughs> right. um, and you like you're just proud. I don't know him, but like you cheer him on, and yeah. so because you have such an affinity for your country or where you live or where you're you're from. Um, so those are the kind of things that I'm looking at. Like how can I weave again some of those things without being preachy or teachy? Um, just let it. It is natural. It's normal. It is what is really happening. It's just conversations that. That are happening that you're not again that you're not seeing on the TV, and so the more that we can showcase this and the positive side of interacting with people as human beings and just and you know sharing your again your commonalities is I, I, that's what my direction is going to be. It's you know, and it's such a tragic and sad story that Giovanni lost his life at such a young age, but at the same time, the it's like Giovanni's journey. It's not going to stop. Not at like, all. Like, look what he's, te- especially right now. Think about it. This many years later and what's going on right now. And the book is so timely that it's coming out that Giovanni mm-hmm. is teaching the lessons right now. As opposed yeah, to everybody absolutely. else. We're learning more from Giovanni at the age of eight than anybody else right now. Right. I was thinking another commonality as I'm looking at uh, my producer, <laughs> Jade, and Mariah over here, music as being another one as well that unites absolutely. people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you don't see anything. You hear the music mm-hmm. and you're colorblind, you're everything else blind, right? That's mm-hmm. all that matters. Just another way. And I wonder if that translates as well with young kids as much as, I, I don't know, but I would just think that's another way too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love that. I mean, I love that this is the conversation right now that we're having instead of, so did you see this and this and this today? Right. Like I'm trying to sit here thinking about other really cool ways <laughs> that you're not thinking about right. that. The, that alone, what your book, the conversation that your book is starting mm-hmm. Adults should be reading. We shouldn't even call this a children's book. It really should be like a book for everybody so right I, now. So how I describe it is usually I'm hoping that it piques the curiosity of not just the, the kid, but also the adult. Hopefully that the adult is, whether it's the teacher, you know, using it as a lesson for their classroom as a parent or auntie, going to buy it as a gift for their niece or their nephew, that you're reading it alongside them. So I think it's for kids and adults alike, but I had to pick a genre, so right. I just picked a picture book. And like, so I'm hoping that everyone reads it. I, I, every politician should be reading it right now, too. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Um, but I think it is. I think you're not, you're going to want to share it. Adult and children yes. alike are going to want to be doing this. Mm-hmm. So you devoted a, a large portion of time to the book, and now mm-hmm. it's done, and it's coming out, and... Are you antsy to start writing again, or where are you with that? 
Um, I am antsy, and I, but at the same time, I know that I would, I want to be sure that I give the book because I've invested so much time in like getting it to a place where it can launch that actually lives for a bit. Um, so spending a good amount of time, you know, thanks again to Kara having the opportunity to sit with you and, um, talk about the book and hopefully I can continue to talk about it a little more and have, let it to have a life that it carries on its own, whether I'm on a radio show or show or having a, you know, print interview that the book carries on. Um, so I'm going to probably be spending more of my time right now, even though I know in the, 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 the traditional sense is like, Oh, to promote this book, you should be writing another book. I'm like, well, I, I <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to do it. Not my way. <laughs> Um, Your way seems to be working pretty well. (laughs) You might want to stick with that. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that that's, I'm going to focus more so on just getting the book out there. It just, it has to be so thrilling, the anticipation of, like, you heard that it's going to be in bookstores and, like, walking by and seeing that book in a window. It's this, um, it's, um, I I pinch myself a lot and I would say, like, wow, it's actually here. And I was like, it's actually coming. And actually, I had, and I have to shout out to two um, mom bloggers that I met because I realized that social media, as you look at, especially in this genre and getting books to move and kids' books, kid lit bloggers are are very influential in this space. Mom bloggers, um, you know, moms that have radio shows (laughs) are very influential in this space. And so just learning about that piece of it too. Um, just like seeing how who helps you could to move books is just really fascinating. But this is a book that has to be, I think, on its own. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, and I, so the the two mom bloggers that hosted the cover reveal one is pragmaticmom.com and another one was Here We Read. And I met them on Instagram. I don't even know these two people. And I, reached out to them. I've been following them and commenting on things that they were posting. And I said, you know, I'm my publisher. um, We want to host a cover reveal. Would you mind doing so? And they, you know, I gave them the premise of the book, show them some stuff that was in the cover and they immediately got on board and they, um, we hosted a cover reveal on March 15th. And between that and I think in April, 15th we must have had already 200 books pre-sold and so to this date um we've had 650 copies pre-ordered that i know about i don't know about the amazon stuff yet Uh, that's amazing like that's gotta just be so exhilarating and so exciting and again for double the reason not just because of the book itself but because of the message it's sharing and that it's it's Giovanni's story that's getting out there. It's so much bigger than just the words. It's, there's yeah. so much more to this. And I was thinking about that. We were talking about like when you walk by a bookstore and you see the, the book in there. It's not just your name on the book. You're going to see Giovanni's picture and mm-hmm. what it represents and the bird right. and your, fa- like your dogs and you're on mm-hmm. there and your family's going to look at that. And it's just, it's astounding mm-hmm. just with the imagery itself carries right. with this book. Um, is there anything you feel you didn't get in there enough? Any message that you might have not been able to, that you'd like to say now? Or do you feel you pretty much covered what you needed to cover? I, I, I covered it um, quite a bit. Um, I mean, again, when you, I, I keep going back to Jasper being sassy, and I might just have to write <laughs> that and, and put all the stuff that Jasper was going to say on my website so you can see how funny i thought he was gonna be i'd um, like to speak to jasper <laughs> like the sassy jasper um and i think that that's more it 
And for those of you, oh, uh, and by the way, I'm trying to do a Facebook Live now. For those of you on here, I'm going to show you. I am, I'm trying to avoid myself as much as I can. <laughs> but right here we have Sandra. And for those of you watching on Facebook Live, I'm sitting here with Sandra Richards, the author of Rice and Rocks. And I, the more I hear about this book, I, I wish I had it right here in front of me. <laughs> you should come back and do a reading of Jasper. Oh, That's what we, I, of Jasper, of Rice and Rocks. <laughs> but then we could do a Jasper night too, a sassy that Jasper would, night. That would be <laughs> we fun. Could do, we could do both. But as we're sitting here tonight, it has just been an amazing, an amazing night listening about the book and Giovanni's story. And really, again, what I think I'm, I'm touched by everything, but so touched by is that Giovanni at the age of eight made such an impact. And with all the negativity and all the things we focus on, right. you know, there's an eight-year-old child who impacted so many people and now will so through, I mean decades and decades and decades and decades to come he's still going to be impacting people in such a positive way so rice and rocks that's what we need to go get right now um and again as i said that like i think that is so fascinating about this that it's he was eight years old like when you think about it like you you hope to have made a positive impact on people at our age or at any age Mm -hmm. but a child is not even thinking about that and it just is him. It's what he was. It's who he was. It's who his character was. And we're lucky. I mean, we're very, very lucky that he was here for as long as he was here and that you in turn had the gift of writing and were able to share that story with all of us. So for everybody out there tonight, again, it's been, I can't even believe the time is up again. It always happens so fast. (laughs) Um, But it's been an absolute honor tonight to have Sandra Richards here. I I literally cannot wait for the book to come out. I'm going to order it immediately, as all of you are, on Amazon.com. Because remember, after five copies, there's a, a, co- a book will be donated to a yes. children's literacy program. So if nothing else, that's the motivation. But you don't need anything else. It's the story of Giovanni. Mm-hmm. It's, Sandra, it's Sandra's the way she described what he's done, what he's affected. And for something positive, it's what we need right now. Absolutely. It's being handed to us by Sandra. It's an absolute gift in so many ways. And I, I can't wait. And again... Like I said, I don't think it's a children's book. I think it's a book for all of us. And Thank you. how we choose to read it or share it, we just have to do that. And, and speaking of sharing it, if anybody that's listening wants it to be, you know, I have a few copies already that I can set aside to donate. And you think there's an organization out there um, that would love to have copies of it for their, you know, daytime programs of children's programs, please reach out to me do a tweet i'm on i'm on twitter sandra l richards um and on instagram sandra l richards i was able to capture my name on it <laughs> and we're gonna be so and the show tonight will be on a podcast so you can go to morph mom moments on itunes and all the shows are on a podcast and we'll be up there that's great hopefully by tomorrow i shouldn't give dates because i'm not very good at <laughs> sticking with the dates hence the website um also we'll be up on morphmom.com m-o-r-p-h-m-o-m.com and again i invite you to reach you can contact me through morph mom and i can send questions as well to sandra if you want thank you and um uh, eventually again i'm not going to give a date on this one <laughs> because i'm very bad there will be a huffington post article about rice and rocks and sandra and her story and giovanni and the podcast if i can figure it out technology like to get it embedded into that story that article it will be as well so there are going to be lots of ways to hear about this to hear sandra's story and to hear how um giovanni 
makes it through, makes it, and what he does, everything he does, his journey, which is amazing. I have one more thing I, I promised somebody that I would say tonight, and we're talking about kindness and how this is sort of apropos to what happens and how a little thing can mean so much. And a friend of mine from home, Sebastian, I'm giving you a shout out tonight. And his company is Sebpol, S-E-B-P-O-L-L-C. And he is a plumber who's in New Jersey, who's just a really, really nice guy. And when you have a really bad day, I don't know, a little thing that somebody says could make a big difference in your life. Much even like you were saying about, you know, a day you sat with Giovanni and something sticks with you. Well, Sebastian, I am giving you a shout out tonight to Sebpol, L-L-C. It just was a day when every possible thing went wrong in our house from you name it and you came and you were incredibly kind and took care of things you never had to take care of and left with just a really happy smile. And thank you for that because it got me through the rest of the day just like Rice and Rocks is going to get everybody through every single day. So once again, Sandra, I can't thank you enough for coming on tonight. Thank you. Um, Jade and Mariah, my comrades in the studio who help me every single week. And to all of you out there, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. More of Mom Moments, 7 p.m. Good night. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA health care facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces,